Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 8, please. <laughs> John chapter 8. I got a lot of feedback from our lesson of last week about, are you listening? Uh, I guess people were listening. At least they heard that part. But, you know, it's such an important thing, this idea of, of actually listening. And it, it affects, you know, you know, so many different areas of our lives. And listening to one another, listening to the Lord, listening to Jesus. And, you know, a lot of them were not listening. You know, we saw they said, Jesus, who are you? They didn't know. And he'd been telling them over and over again. They were not listening to what he had to say. It kind of sounds like some of our relationships, right? But Jesus had been telling them that, you know, he was the son of God. He was the son of the Father. He was sent by the Father. He came down. He was from above. He came down. He's from heaven. He wasn't just a normal, ordinary earthling. He was God. He says, I am. You know, the thing about it is, you know, are we listening? Are you and I listening? That's the important question. Uh, but, but this idea of listening, I just, you know, this idea of paying attention, listening, observing, and dwelling uh, is really important, you know. And, I, and again, uh, some, of the, some of the things that, that we're called to do in, in terms of listening is to look people in the eye. Put your phone down. What else? Hold your tongue. That's probably the hardest part. Stop talking. To be sensitive to what's being said, to be fully present, actually be a part of it. And, and you know, as we think about these things and we, we kind of think ab about how we're, how we're listening, are we really listening? Are we really doing what we need to do? Sometimes I think if we pay attention, we're going to find that we're not. And we need to make change and do what's right. As I said... A lot of them were not listening in that day when Jesus was speaking. But some were. And it says, uh, let's jump down to verses 31 and 32, which are the verses we're going to look at today. It says to the Jews, excuse me, let's look at verse 30 first. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Even as he spoke, Many put their faith in him. So there were certainly some who were listening to what he had to say. And he challenged them to, to trust him and put their faith in him. And, and it says that many did do that. And the, the thing I want to talk about today is, is kind of a couple different things. Really, this idea of believing, but, but, but more than that, this idea of being a disciple. Like, what is that? And how do you know? How do you know someone is truly a true disciple? Let's look at verses 31 and 32. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He says, If you truly are my disciples. He says, you will hold to my teaching, you will abide in my word, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this idea of, you know, are you really a disciple of Jesus? Are you really a follower? Are you really one of his? I'm going to talk a little bit later about is there a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. 
Well, let's just talk about being a disciple first. It says that, that those who had believed, he's speaking again now to those who had believed him, and it's the same word used in verse 30. It says, even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. It's, it's the same word, many believed. So he's speaking now to those who made, at least made a profession that they were saying, I, I'm, I'm going to, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. I want to be one of yours. He's saying to them, he's challenging them in a sense, or maybe he's pointing something out to them and teaching them, as he was a brilliant teacher. We know that. So if there was kind of a test, he, he says here, like, if, he uses that word, right? If, it's kind of a test. If what? How do we know if we're a disciple of Jesus? Because he says, if you, if this, then you are. This kind of you know, mathematical you know, construction, the if-then. If this, then this. So he says what? If what? He says, if you hold to my teaching. And, and uh, that's probably not the best translation of those words. I think... It's better that the New King James translates it, if you abide in my word. The word literally means to remain in or to abide in, to uh, continue in, to dwell in. That's a pretty strong word. If you dwell in, if you live in it, he says, if you live in my word, then you really are my disciple. You want to know? Am I really a disciple of Jesus? This is the test that Jesus gave. This is the challenge that he gave. And, you know, these are such important. These, I think, are some of the most important verses uh, for being a disciple in all of the Bible. He says, you are really my disciples. In reality, you are most certainly, you are truly my disciples if you are dwelling in my word, in my teaching. He says, in my teaching, the word is logos, which is another word for word. I'm sure many of you are, are familiar with the Great Commission found in Matthew chapter 28. And, you know, he, he says there one of the commands that he says in, in the Great Commission is that the command was to make disciples. You know, teaching them everything that he'd commanded and baptizing them. But, he, but the command was to make disciples. The Great Commission is to make disciples. And so for, for us here in the church and for part of what my, you know, I'm called to do is help build disciples, followers of Jesus. And in my mind, this is like, this is like the central, central part of being a disciple of Jesus. It's what Jesus said very, very clearly about being a disciple of Jesus. It's radical. This is one of my favorite subjects, too, because it deals with what? It deals with the Word of God. It, it deals with the Bible. So, so what is it that he's talking about here? It's what I've already mentioned, to remain in, to abide in, to live in his Word. So what, you know, I, I like to be as practical as I can. So what does that look like? What does that mean? Does that mean, you know, you, you build a house out of, you know, pages out of the Bible and you live in it? You know, you, you stack up Bibles around your room, you know, so I'm living in the Word. What does that look like? What does it mean? You know, I bring it up a lot, but it, it, it really, it's a lot of facets to it. You know, it's the corporate idea. 
Let's talk about that first. The corporate idea meeting as a group, corporately. It's so important, and I, and I think a lot, of, a lot of churches have wandered away from this, that, but this idea that, that we have the Word of God as a, a central part of who we are and what we do, what we're about. But a lot of churches kind of wandered away from that, and they're, they're, they're you know, talking about a lot, of, a, a lot of other things, and they're not really teaching what the Bible has to say. I find that very sad. Calvary Chapel has always been, and I, when I say Calvary Chapel, I mean as a whole, from Pastor Chuck, uh, you know, his, his, his whole thing was teach the Bible. Simply teach the Bible, simply, so that people can grab a hold of it and, 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 and that it would be a part of their lives. And I think that that's our example. That's what we try to do. If it ever gets to be where I just, you know, uh, start telling you stories all day long and, and, and talking about all kinds of weird stuff and never get to what the Bible has to say, I, I do talk about weird stuff, I admit that. But I, but I do it in, in, in an in a, you know, example and illustration of what the Bible is teaching. At least I try to do that. If I get off on that, let me know. But to be corporately a place where, hey, you know that, you know that when you come here, you're going to hear what the Bible has to say. You know that. You don't always know that in, in every place you go. That's corporately, and I, I think personally, then it, and it's, it gets down to the personal level as well. You know, the corporate level, but then the personal level that you and I are people of the book. Joe Foch from Calvary, Philadelphia says, you know, that we're, we're Bible people as Calvary Chapel. We're Bible people. And, and, and can you say that about yourself? Can I say that about myself? You know, that I'm a person of the book, that this is the Bible. I, this, is, this, is where I'm, this is where I am. This is where I, I, it's part of my life. It's part of who I am as a, a believer in Jesus, a disciple. You know, I have a question for you, and some would say, well, that's a pretty dumb question, but I don't think it is. Do you have your own Bible? It's not a dumb question. Maybe, maybe, maybe you never knew that you should have one of your own. Maybe you were taught, and I know that the church for years were saying, you don't need a Bible, you don't need to read the Bible, because we will tell you what the Bible says, and we will direct you in it, because we don't trust you to read yourself. I want to say today, you need your own. You need to have your own that you can write in. Yeah, you can even write in it. You can underline. You can mark. I'm going to talk a lot more about that in a minute. But somebody said this, what it means to abide in his word. He says this, welcoming it being at home in it and living with it so continuously that it becomes part of the believer's life. A permanent influence. A permanent influence. It's a part of your life. This, this book that we're talking about here, he says, Jesus said, if you really are my disciple, you'll abide in my word. And, and it, it, it's so continuously a part of who I am that it's, it's got this influence in my life this permanent influence in my life, this book. 
the Scripture. We're not, we're not going to talk today about, you know, the inerrancy of the Bible and how we, how we got the Bible. That's a whole another subject, and I've talked about that in other places. You can do studies on that. I'm just talking about now a personal relationship in the Word. John Corson from, from uh, Oregon says this. He says, disciples are those who continue in, take heed to, and make a high priority of His Word. Say, oh, man, you're starting to make me feel bad or whatever. Well, I'm not trying to make any, anybody feel bad. I want to encourage you in this. I, I, you know, if our commission is to make disciples, and, and this is part of what being a disciple is, I need to encourage you. Hey, you're missing out if you're not, if you're not you know, allowing this to be a part of your life. The Word of God. The Scripture. I got a bunch of things on the screen for you. Uh, this first one here. He says, let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made to us, eternal life. You see here that that word, that, that teaching, living in you, abiding in you, and it affects, it affects your life so much. He says, then you too will abide in you. In the Son, in the Father, it affects our relationship with the Father and the Son. This idea of the Word remaining, abiding in us. Look down at verse 37. There were those who didn't allow it. And look what it says there in verse 37, which we'll get to next week. He says, I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me, Jesus is saying. Why? Because you have no room for my word. You have no room for my word. That is a, that is a telling statement, isn't it? You've got no room for my word in your heart and in your life. May that not be said about you and I, that we, we don't have any room. My life is so busy, I don't have any room, and no, no time, no space. What, is, what does Paul say? He said, we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So they accepted it, but they realized that this is not just a book of man. It's not human wisdom. This is the word of God. And, and then he says there that it's actually working in you, the, the the Word of God doing something within you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that incredible? You want God to work in your life? This is the number one thing that you want to you get this Word in you and let God work in your life, in you. So say, okay, okay. Now, you, you know, you're getting all this stuff, you know, but, but this is the question, right? That's the question. Me? Read? Uh, you know, I get it when you guys are in school, right? You're forced to. They say, you will read this. And then, you, then, then sometimes you don't even do that then, right? It's 
a big thing, this, this idea of reading. I've always, I've always been a reader, so for me, it's like I don't even have a problem with this. But, but I understand that, you know, it's not so easy for everybody. I get that. You know, there's been uh, a lot of things that have gone on in the world. You know, we have, but we have a lot of excuses. And, and I, honestly, I feel for those that there are a, a, a pretty good percentage of people in our country still who cannot read. Uh, you know, the number, I think, is, is somewhere, uh, you know, uh, between 5 and 10% of people who cannot read. That's, that's a lot. That's the figure that I read anyways. But, but among, among, you know, the, the majority can read, but reading has kind of declined. Just the idea of reading at all has declined. Why is that? Because everything is done for us. You know, we have all this media that's just, you know, it's all done for you. Why, why bother? Why? Like I said, we have a lot of, of uh, excuses, you know, not enough time, we can't afford, you know, books. Well, I want to say that if you need a Bible, we'll, we have Bibles, we'll give you one, we'll buy you one. If you don't like that one, we'll buy you another one. Maybe you're too tired, it's too hard, I can't do it, you know, we have a lot of things, but you know what? If this is what Jesus is talking about, and, and we have this book now, what should we do? Check this out. In, in uh, the U.S., in the last 12 months, 26% or uh, one quarter of people have read no books whatsoever. So in this group here today, it's probably true that one quarter of you haven't read anything except maybe street signs in the last 12 months. That's interesting, isn't it? Said uh, 38% read only print books, 28% read both, and then 6% read only digital. So there's still 75% roughly that are reading, and that's good. That's a good thing. But what about the 25%? What about you that you say, I, you know, I just don't read. I just don't do it. Well, I want to encourage you that, okay, maybe you don't have time, you don't have effort, you don't have energy to read a lot of stuff, but you can pick up a Bible and you can read that. I want to encourage you that you can do it. You know, you can. I know you can. I believe you can. Because if Jesus says something like this, then it was kind of important to him. And if it... If it's ever true, this is true, that what he asks us to do, he will help us do. If he wants us to stay in the word, he'll help us to stay in the word. He'll help us understand. You say, well, I don't understand the these and thous. You know what? That is an old argument and it's no good anymore. Because we have so many versions now that don't have these and thous, right? But, you know, when I first became a believer, that's, you know, what, what people could say. I got one more graphic for you on this. On this, it's this is kind of scary. They asked this question. This was a couple years ago, two years ago, I believe. How much of the Bible have you personally read? Uh, none of it. Ten percent. 
Only a few sentences, 13%. Several passages or stories. In other words, not much. But if you add those up, that's 50%. Right? It's over 50%. That's not happening. It's not, it's not happening. That is tragic. How many, uh, you know, at least half of it, 15%, almost all of it, all of it, and all of it more than once. So there's a good percentage of people that really are reading the Word, but there's a, a huge percentage that are not reading it at all. And I want to say to you, I want to challenge you today, if I, if I you know, say anything, because I could die tonight, I should be careful not saying that, because last time I joked about that, I actually almost did. Well, maybe did. But, but that you, if you're a part of this church, if you're part of Calvary Chapel, that you realize that you are a person, that, that what we believe is that the Bible is for you personally, and you need to be in the Word of God. You need to be reading it, opening it, studying it. What does it say? What does it mean? And applying it to our own lives. You know, thinking about these things, the media things that, that there's so much going on. And yeah, a lot of these things have taken us away from being, doing reading of any kind. But the truth of the matter is also that those things that have taken us away from reading of any kind also are avenues to give us the Word of God. Let's say, well, I don't read, but, but you can have now a, a Bible app read to you. You can get, you know, Bible teachings delivered right to your phone. You can read the Blue Letter Bible. You can, there, there's so much accessible now, besides the fact of all these different versions that we have now. Find one that you like. There are many, many people here who would give you uh, suggestions about, well, try this version or try that version if, you know, and, and, you know there's so many different versions. I, I want to give you a list of some benefits now, though, because, uh, <clears throat> and I'll go through this pretty quickly, but <clears throat> there are so many benefits. He said here in these verses, right, he said, then, if then, right, if you abide in my word, you, then you are really my disciples. And also, then, not only will you, are you truly my disciples, he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. So, so the first benefit that we see Jesus spoke of here is that you're going to know the truth. You're going to know the truth. And, and, and believe me, this is probably the most important thing because the world is, is not full of truth. There are so many lies. Talk about fake news. There's so much lies, there's so much fake stuff all around us that, that is just not true. Truth, you know, the truth about God, the truth about life, the truth about heaven, the truth about hell. It's no, it's no coincidence that Paul says in, in the book of Ephesians about put on the full armor of God, right? Who can tell me what the first piece of armor that Paul says that we need to put on is? The belt of truth. That's the first thing. So, so in the battle, the spiritual battle that we fight, you say, I'm getting beat up, I'm getting beat off. Well, do you have the belt of truth on? Do you know what the scripture said? How did Jesus fight Satan personally? 
How did he? With the scripture, with the word of God. That's how he fought that battle. Interesting thing, the, the sixth piece in the uh, armor of God was what? The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. So he talks first about the belt of truth, and then the last one, which I believe there's one more, which is prayer, but the last one in that list of six is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. The second benefit, so we're going to know truth. We're going to have truth. You want to know what truth is? It's found here. The second one, he says, is freedom. Freedom. I think the only way that we're going to know true freedom, and he says if you're free, you're truly, if you're free, the sun sets you free, what? You're free indeed. The only way we're going to know true freedom from sin, from the things that bind us, from death, from hell, from all the things that, that, that you know, are part of what we are, he says the, the only way we're going to know the freedom is by through the truth. And the truth will set us free. That's powerful. I'm sorry, but that is powerful. And, and you and I need to be set free from a lot of different things in our lives. You think, well, you know, I'm not. I don't need it. Well, you need to be set free from pride right now. The Word of God, the truth. To set free to live a new life. What about this? He says... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you, do you need to know what way to go? Do you, do you want to know, you know, are you asking God, direct me, show me the way, and then you never open the book? He says, he says his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He's going to show us the way. I don't know how many times through the years God has used his word to help direct me in my personal life, me and my family. How about this one, Hebrews chapter 4? How about our thoughts and our attitudes? The Word of God is living. It's alive, this book. It's active. It's powerful. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the intents of the heart. It gets right in there. You, you want to know where you're messed up? The Word of God will clearly make it plain. And again, if you, don't, if you don't think you are messed up, <laughs> how about this one? Blessings. The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, says he will be blessed in what he does. You say, i got no blessings in my life. Well, do you have any of the Bible in your life? Are you, you know, adding it to your life? Or, but, but then, not only that, but actually applying it, doing it, doing something, what you read there? How about prayer? You say, well, I pray, but... Jesus said these words in John 15, If you remain in me... And my words remain, it's the same word now, abide, remain, abide in you. Look what his promise is. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. That's kind of intense. That's a whole concept. We'll probably look at some more. But this idea that you've got God's word in you. 
Exactly. Thank you, Bruce. Help me out. You'll know what to pray because you know what God's Word says. You know what the will of God is because you know what He says. You know what He thinks. He's, he's revealed it to us. How about strength? I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Where does that strength come from? From the Scripture, from God's Word living in us. How about teaching, rebuking, and training? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want, do you want everything you need to do what God asks you to do? The Word of God, it's, it's, it's God-breathed. He's given it to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This word that he's given to us. He's going to teach us by it. But sometimes he's also going to rebuke us. Sometimes he's going to correct us. But that's okay because we need that. I need that. Now, that's a lot of, that's a lot of benefits, right? I mean, I just went through a bunch. And that's not even the whole list. That's not a complete list. That's just a partial list. But... But it, hopefully, I'm just hoping that you can kind of grasp what I'm trying to get, that, that this is something, that this is a blessing for you and me. This is not a burden. This is important. This is something God has given to us to help us, not to hurt us. And, and, and you know, where are you at with it? I mentioned earlier about this idea, you know, can you be a believer and not a disciple? Well, some would argue with that you cannot. I, I, I personally think you can. And, you know, there's this idea of having, you know, you're just going to get in. There's no fruit in your life, no, nothing good happening. You know, it's kind of like you have life insurance, fire insurance, and that's it. But others would say, you know what, if you're not a true disciple, you're probably not a Christian anyways. And Jesus, you know, said... Some things that kind of sounded that way, uh, he said in in Second uh, John. Actually, John said this. Second John, he said, anyone who runs ahead does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. So John is saying there that. You know, they, they seem to be tied together that if you got this teaching and you're continuing in it, you're living in it, same word, abiding in it, that you have the Father and the Son. So, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, you're, you're probably okay and you're going to make it if you're not a true disciple of Jesus because I, I, I wouldn't want to promise you that. That's a dangerous promise, I think. So, so, so what? You know, thinking, so what? I'm just going to carry on doing what I got to do. You know what? We got to be practical, right? And, and you've heard the phrase, keep it simple, smarty. I want to call you stupid. <laughs> but we got to keep it simple. We got to be practical here. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean I got to become a Bible scholar? Do I got to go to seminary? 
Cemetery? No. But, it, but it's a decision that you and I make. Like, what's important in my life? What really matters in my life? If I'm a follower of Jesus, a, a true disciple of Jesus, what is important? What is important? There are some things we have, you know, you're here today, so I, th- I think you thought, you believed that it was important for you to, to be together with the body of Christ. You thought that was important. Jesus is telling us it's important here to, to have this as a, a, a decision, a, a daily thing in our lives. A daily thing, not just Sunday. Can you imagine if you ate once a week? What would that be? What would you look like? You look horrible. Some of you need to eat more. But spiritually, there's a, there's a, a correlation. It's a daily thing. You know, you brush your teeth every day, I hope. <laughs> you know, you, you sleep every day. And some of you, I know what that's like. You don't always. It's difficult. But there's certain things you do every day. You know, it's like routine. It's like a habit. You, it's just what you do. Well, why can't we get a Bible, get a place, and get a time where we just say, this is it. This is my time. And start with five or ten minutes. I'm not saying you've got to do an hour and a half every day. I'm not saying that at all. But can you do five minutes? Can you do ten minutes? I think what, what, what I find, and, and I think what you'll find too, that five or ten minutes isn't really enough. But you can start there. Keep it simple, smarty, smarty pants. What does that mean? Should I, should I start in Genesis? Should I start in the Old Testament? Should I start in the New Testament? There's so many questions about this. You know, I think you should start in the New Testament, personally. I think, and, I, and, I, and, and somebody might strike me down for this, but, you know, if there are sections that you, that you have trouble with, I think it's okay to jump ahead to the next section. If it's a bunch of genealogy and you say, I can't, you know, follow all that, well, then jump past it. But don't stop. I think you should eventually read the Old Testament as well. There are some, there are some amazing, amazing things in the Old Testament. What happens, though, people, they start in Genesis and they read it and they go, wow, this is like, this is pretty intense. This is incredible. And there's a lot of people, they get to Exodus and they start going, wow, this is starting to get a little bit hard. And then they get to Leviticus and they go, wow. And then what happens? Yeah, they just quit. That's it. I'm done. I'm going to put it on my coffee table. And so people that come in and say, oh, Bible person. Bible on the table there. You're not kidding anybody, by the way. And you know what? I'm not going to ask you, did you read today? I'm not going to ask you that. But, but I think Jesus is asking each one of us, are you going to spend any time with me today? Can you give me five minutes today? I know you're a busy person. Excuse me. Jesus says, I know you're, you know, you're, you're pretty high up that ladder and everything. You know, you got your PhD. Sorry. 
you got your master's degree, whatever, you know, you got, you don't, you don't get any time. What did Paul say? You know what? He said all those things. Paul was brilliant. He had all the degrees after his name or whatever that he could have at that time. He says, you know what? All these things, I, I count them like refuse in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, that he spent time with him, that he opened up the word. Maybe get a phone app. Somebody would think, well, you know, what about this? Is this enough? I'm just going to read my ODB. You know what? We, we buy these, right, to give to you. But I want to say to you, I was going to say tonight, today, that this is not what I'm talking about. I believe in devotionals. I have a couple that I use every day. But that doesn't take the place of just opening the book. Some people, I've heard, I heard somebody say one time, you know, these, these devotionals, they, they have a little Bible verse and then they, they have a whole, you know, few paragraphs about something that doesn't even relate to the Bible verse. You know, I've seen that before too. So I'm not opposed to these, and, and some of them are kind of good, but if you think that that's what we're talking about today, I want to say no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this. This. This here. If You know, I should have brought my Bible in. It's, it's a mess. You know, I... I, I uh, used to keep a lot of papers in it and stuff and, you know, all the different things in there. And then I had a guy fix it because it got so wrecked. And he said, don't use your Bible as a filing cabinet because <laughs> it wrecks the binding and it wrecks it. And so I don't do that anymore. I have in the, you know, I have a cover and in the sides I'll put stuff in there. But you know what? I have different colors that I can mark and underline with and, and, uh, I write little notes in there, so if I come and read that again, I'll kind of remember, like, what was that about? Because I can't always remember what, you know, what I was thinking back when I read that at some point in time. But me personally, you know, 40 years, and I was taught this very young as a young believer, you know, to, to read the Bible, to get into the Word, to let it be a daily part of your life. So I, I you know, I knew that, but, but through the years, you know, it, I've gone through different phases and different kinds of, of, of ways of approaching it. And, and where I've read, you know, you read through the whole Bible once a year. And I think that's a good thing, and I did that for a number of years. But then, but then I kind of just slowed way, way down. And now I think I'm going as, slower, as slow as I've ever done before. I think there's value and merit in both. But you know what? If you just read the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs five or ten minutes a day, I, I challenge you that you will find that God will bless your life. God will use it in your life. You know, we talked about the Holy Spirit a number of weeks ago where, where uh, He'll bring to, Jesus said, He'll bring to your remembrance things that I've spoken to you. And he'll do that, but if you never have read it, if you never looked at it, if you've never seen these words, it's pretty tough to bring those things back to your remembrance. You know what I'm saying? 
But I want to say to you that just this week, just this week, and I'm not saying this to say that I'm so spiritual. I'm, I'm saying it because I'm so weak. And going through three, three separate, three occasions just this week where I'm like, you know, tripping out about something, you know, worrying, whatever it is, you know, just, you know, having a real hard time. Three separate occasions where I believe it was the Holy Spirit that, that reminded me of a specific verse that applied to exactly what I was thinking in my head. And gave me peace. The Word of God, you know, you don't have to memorize it all. The Holy Spirit will bring it back to you. But if you never look at it, if you never look at it, I'm almost done here, I'm sorry, but you know what, this is such an important subject, such an important thing for us as believers, as disciples. Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, if you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Charles Spurgeon, I'll finish with an example from Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher in the 1800s in England. He was speaking about this promise that uh, probably most of us know, uh, where God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And it's found in a number of different places, but uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he's found there. But Spurgeon was speaking about this verse, and because and, it says there, he has said, he's quoting, because he has said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Charles Spurgeon says this, he says, what power resides in thus saith the Lord? The man who can grasp by faith, he has said, has an all-conquering weapon in his hand. What doubt will not be slain by this two-edged sword? What fear is that which shall not be smitten with a deadly wound before this arrow? He said, there may be a promise in the word which would exactly fit your case, but you may not know of it and therefore miss its comfort. His, his, his point was to search the Scripture, to get into the Word. There may be a promise in there that, you, that would be perfect for you, but, but you don't know about it because you haven't looked. He says there may be a potent medicine in the great pharmacopoeia of Scripture, and you may still remain sick, though there is the precise remedy that would meet your disease unless you examine and search the Scriptures to discover what he has said. He says it seems from our text that he has said is not only useful to chase away doubts, fears, difficulties, and devils, but it also yields nourishment to all our graces. That's pretty powerful. Spurgeon was a man of the Word. No doubt about it. But he said, he's telling his people and when he's preaching this message that you've you got to have the word in you. You want, you want the help? The help's all right there. And God will work in your life. We're going to pray together. Let's pray right now. I want to encourage you again. 
if if you do, if you don't remember anything of what I've taught all you know through the years, it's this: get into the Word for yourself. Get into the Word for yourself. How else are you going to know if I'm if I'm not, you know teaching heresy? If you don't know what the Bible says yourself, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for giving us your word. It's God-breathed, inspired. You gave it to us. So many benefits, so many things, so many reasons that you want to use it in our lives. And but Lord, we are, we are human. I'll confess that. There's times when I would just was too weak, too tired, too lazy, too busy all kinds of excuses, and I missed out. Lord, I pray that wouldn't be true of any of us, that we, that we would truly be your disciples, and this is a part of what it means to truly be a disciple. You said it, Jesus, it's true. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would guide us, help us to find that place, that time, that version even of God's holy word that that we begin to make a start, if we haven't already, to be people of the book, your word. I pray for those that are reading now. Maybe, maybe there's some, they're just reading and they're, they're, they're faithful to it, but they're just not hearing. I pray you would open it up again alive, make it alive to their hearts and minds. Speak. Holy Spirit, we pray through your word. Father, I pray and I want to close with a, maybe a challenge of some that would never have never received Jesus Christ, never opened their hearts to him. Well, you've heard today that Jesus wants disciples. He wants true followers. And his word is that he loves you, that he wants to give you eternal life and all you need to do is receive it open your heart and receive it today and say Jesus come into my life come in to my heart I, I allow you in today in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen let's all stand together shall we Okay.